0: Chapter 18. It was empty, pristine and empty. No nervous, prostrate bride-to-be in the great canopy bed. No flurry of maids preparing the trousseau. No piles of gifts and flowers from the eager bridegroom. You don't think mother's done something to Marigold, do you? Eve asked, her voice trembling. I wouldn't put it past her, Tatiana said, her eyes narrowing, but she wouldn't do it until after the wedding. She wouldn't want to be cheated out of that spectacle. We've got to find Papa. Holding hands again, the sisters ran up a wide curving staircase, down a hall around two corners, and up a narrow flight of steps to their father's unique set of rooms in the northwest turret. The door was locked from the inside. Papa, Tatiana called, banging on the door. Are you in there? It's us, Tatiana, Eve, and Callista. We need to talk to you. Denby's voice came through the door. Is the queen with you? no, it's her that we need to talk to you about. There was a long silence. Tatiana pounded again. Papa, we were plotting a mutiny. We need your help. Their papa opened the door, looking quite chipper and lively, his cheeks pink and his eyes bright. My dears, he said, embracing them from briefly and formally. Is that your nightshirt tucked into your breeches, Papa? Callista asked, wondering if, though he looked perfectly healthy, his mind was off its hinges. Oh, Swiftbird said, looking down at himself, I guess it is. Denby, would you fetch my shirt, please, from the dressing gown of the dressing room? Something about the way he emphasized the words made the triplets take notice. They might be blonde, but they were nothing. there was nothing dumb about them. What was going on in the dressing room that their papa needed to keep a secret? Denby opened the dressing room door just enough to squeeze through and shut it quickly. The sisters raised their eyebrows at one another. Are you all right, Papa? Eve asked. Mother said that you weren't doing poorly. I'm fit as a violin, he said, sitting on his uh, axillary ax- throne next to the diamond-paned window that overlooked the flagstone terrace. Now, what's this all about? A, a mutiny? So the sisters laid out their half-formed fears about Marigold and Magnus's marriage, tiptoeing around their suspicions that their mother might be involved somehow in something d- disagreeable or actually nefarious, if you got right down to it. When they were finished, their father said, I had no idea that, because of your mother, you were such unhappy children. You seemed so content. We weren't defiant the way Marigold is, Tatiana said, but we had one another to commiserate with. Besides, Clista said, the best way to avoid mother's wrath was to act cooperative. We saw what happened to Marigold all those evenings in her room without supper, I always smuggled her something on a tray, Swiftford said, and all that time spent picking out the stitches on other people's botched embroidery as punishment for some minor thing, and all those awful gowns poor Marigold had to wear, even worse than the three just-alike ones that we had to wear. We see now that we should have protected our little sister more, but we were just kids ourselves then. Now we have another chance to do it, Tatiana said. But mother's getting out of control, Callista added. It's time somebody stopped her because um, Eve, who had been silent until then, asked, Why did you let her get away with so much, Papa? He shook his head sadly. I'd never known anyone like her. I'd grown up with with quiet, gentle people, and our marriage was arranged. I'd never even met Olympia. I admit that she dazzled me at first, so beautiful and fiery and headstrong, and so completely unfamiliar. I was a lot older than she was, and I guess I was too indulgent, more than a doting parent than more like a doting parent than a husband. I gave her too much latitude. I see that now, but I didn't know how to stop her. You girls are right, though. I know exactly what she's planning, and it's time to bring it to a halt on those tactics right now. Eve's voice was tender and with understanding and forgiveness. Papa, where is Marigold? Do you know? I do. Is she safe? She is now, Swiftbert said grimly, and I'm going to keep her that way. How odd it was that at the moment of desperate crisis, he felt more alive than he had in years. Can we see her? Tatiana asked. I think it's time we explained a few things about the kind of big sisters we were. And try to make it up to her, Callista added. Swift went to the dressing room and opened it. Marigold Precious, your sisters want to talk to you. It took them so long to sort out everything that was going on, as well as the long history of misunderstandings that they completely forgot about Olympia bringing the evening drink for Swithbert. When she pounded on the door, they jumped as if they were struck by lightning. Quick, girls, Swithbert said, get in the dressing room. He hopped into bed, pulling the covers over his chin. Fortunately, he'd gotten so involved in this conversation with his daughters that he'd never put on his fresh shirt Denby had brought him and was still in his nightshirt. Okay, Denby, he said, when the girls were finally safely stashed away. Let her in. What's the meaning of this, Olympia demanded, her face a storm cloud. Where's my maid? Why did it take you so long to answer the door, and why was it locked? My fault, your majesty, Denby said humbly, bowing from the waist, his hands clasped. I dismissed Millie because the king wasn't doing anything but sleeping. I know every hand is needed to help with all the extra guests in the castle. I can watch over him as well as she, and I had nothing else to do. I locked the door to protect his privacy. I didn't think that you'd want any wedding guests stumbling in here and seeing him like it, like that. I must have dozed off too. It's not the most stimulating thing, watching someone sleep. If you're going to watch him, then I want you to watch him. Now prop him up so I can give him his nighttime draught. I must get on to my guests for the evening entertainment. Denby held Swiftbrook by the shoulders. Olympia took the cork from the bottle and held it to the king's lips. As she poured, he lolled his head limply, and the gray liquid trickled from the corner of his mouth. Blast, she exclaimed. He's too far gone to, a- to swallow again. All i right, right, it'll be your job to get it down him once he wakes up, just like you did yesterday and the day before. You know what will happen if you forget. Of course, your majesty. Don't give it another thought, Demby bowed deeply. Olympia cast a look around the room. That frankincense tree isn't looking too well, she said. I'll have someone come in, up and replace it. Her eyes swept the room again, and she hesitated for a moment. Then she picked up her skirts and made for the door. Don't forget the dose, Denby, or you'll be very sorry. As soon as the door closed behind her, Denby turned the key in the lock and whispered, She's gone. Swithprit propped up the popped up in the door popped up and the door to the dressing room opened. Don't drink that, Papa, Marigold said, spotting the bottle Olympia had left on the bedside table. Don't worry, Swithbert said. I haven't had it in a couple of days. Look what it's done to the frankincense tree. That poor tree sh- The poor tree shuddered and a few more leaves fell off. Now, the first thing we have to do is hide Marigold very well until after the wedding has been called off, Swiftbrook continued. Then we find Magnus and make it up to him somehow. I've always been fond of the boy, and this will be a big disappointment for him. Let's get Chris and Ed and the dogs out of the dungeon before we take care of Magnus, Marigold reminded her father. We'll get around to that, my dear, when the time is right, he said, patting her hand. Don't worry, Denby, take a look out there. Go all the way down the steps and check the hall to make sure that the coast is clear before we move Marigold. Denby went to the door, but he couldn't open it. He twiddled with the key in the lock, but the lock held fast. It feels as if it's barred from the outside, he said. Alarmed, Swithbert hustled to the dressing room and tried the back door out of the suite. It, too, was barred from the outside. We're locked in, Swithbert said. It has to be Olympia's doing. How in the world his eyes fell on the table where he and his daughters had sat, drinking tea and winkling out the whole story of Olympia's treachery. When they had scattered running from Olympia's knock, they had forgotten about Callista's tiara, Tatiana's scarf, and the sash from Marigold's dressing gown all left untidily on the chairs. Olympia hadn't missed a thing. She knew that they were all there and now they weren't leaving. Curses, Swiftbirth explained. You can't stage a mutiny in slow motion. We took too long getting organized. They spent the rest of the night pacing, cursing, and trying out, trying without success to devise a solution. Christian spent the night perfecting his creation. After a while, Ed got interested enough to help him. He decided that by hook or ladder, he'd do anything to get himself out of the incarceration in time for the left conference. After a reluctant start, Bub and Kate had thrown themselves wholeheartedly into the project and were having the time of their lives. Whether it worked or not was beside the point to them, as is usual with dogs. Chapter 19 Olympia partied, she kissed her guests, some of them more thoroughly than others, and drank some wine and danced with Magnus and tried to figure out what to do about her rebellious family. When King Willie and Princess Princess Teddy and Harry came to ask where Tatiana, Callista, and Eve were, she shrugged prettily and said that they were probably off somewhere catching up on sisterly gossip. All she knew for sure was that just one day Marigold was going to marry Magnus Nobody was going to make this queen look like a fool in front of most of the royalty in the known world. At dawn, Olympia came with a group of her soldiers to Swiftbird's suite. Banging on the door she called Don't bother to prevaricate. I know you're all in there. I want Marigold. It's time for her to get ready for the wedding. If she doesn't come out, there's going to be a terrible tragedy that will wipe out my whole family in one swoop. I'll be an elegant, grief stricken queen, don't you think? So brave, so resolute, with the kingdom to rule all by myself, she could hear frantic whispering inside and stood her ground confidently. Marigold had no choice but to come out; she wasn't going to sacrifice her father and sisters just because Magnus wasn't her to her taste, and Olympia knew it, and of course, Marigold did what else could she do if she if she hadn't come out, she'd have signed the death their death warrants. By marrying Magnus, she was signing only her own, and marrying him brought time, and with time, maybe they could still find a way around Olympia's wicked plans. She just made three new friends, her sisters, and she wasn't willing to let them go so easily or so soon. She stood like a big doll with the Abigails under Olympia's instructions, dressed her and did her hair and sprayed her with perfume. Her mind was in her father's suite with, her, with him and her sisters, and in the dungeon with, dungeon with Christian and Ed and the dogs, she didn't even know where Flopsy, Mopsy, and Topsy were. Olympia told her that they were just fine, and would stay that way as long as Marigold did what she was told. Finley sprawled luxuriously on the chaise, safe for once from the yaps, safe for once from the yaps and nips and chasings of Marigold's three little mops. In Swithbert's chamber, Denby, under guard, was preparing the king for the wedding ceremony. The triplets had been removed to an adjoining suite to be prepared also. They all felt more as if they were dressing for a funeral, which indeed they were, even if it would not be for some time, it would not be for some time in the future. In the dudgeon, Christian was saying, I think we're ready. First, the door. Among the blacksmith's discards, he'd found a small tin of what he suspected and hoped "'was inflammium. "'He packed some around the hinges of the cell door. "'Then he struck a piece of metal against the wall of the cell "'until he got a spark, which fell onto a pile of dog fur "'that he'd collected from Bub and Kate. "'Kate had thrown a fit of miffed vanity "'when she'd seen the bald spot in her fur harvesting "'had left on her leg. "'But now that she saw what a merry little fire her fur had made, "'she was pleased with her contribution.' to the escaped attempt and swaggered importantly around the dungeon. The fur fire ignited a slim stick of wood from the junk pile, which Chris, Chris touched to the stuff packed around the hinges. The flame sputtered for a moment, then went out. Rats, Christian said. I'll have to try it again. Line up, Bub and Kate. I need more fur. Kate was even less cooperative this time. She could envision herself being denuded for the sake of experiments that never worked. But besides them, Ed and Christian managed to hold her down long enough to get what they needed. In truth, Chris knew that he could have gotten all the fur he needed from the shaggy cooperative bub, but he also knew that if the experiment succeeded, Kate would never forgive him for not letting her contribute to what would in time, in her own mind, be her single-pawed role in saving all of their skins, if they were lucky. Christian went through the routine again, this time, when the ignited stuff began to sputter, he blew on the tiny embers, coaxing them into steady burning. Step back, everyone, he said. Once he was sure the fire wasn't going out, turn your backs. He had to lift Kate bodily and turn her from the door. And they waited, and waited. No peeking, Christian warned, crossing all his fingers and praying that he'd really found what he'd really found was inflammium. Just when he was about to acknowledge that it wasn't, there was a pop and then a boom and the cell door blew out into the corridor. Wow, Ed said. Kate and Bub dashed out of the cell, barking excitedly. Quiet, Christian hollered after them, and then lowered his voice. Quiet, he whispered. We have to be very sneaky now. Hey, called the guard from the cell next to them. Let me out too. I don't think so, Christian said. We don't want anybody upstairs and blowing the whistle on us. Where are the keys to the dungeon doors? Why should I tell you, the guard pouted, turning his back. The effect was somewhat spoiled by the fact that his breeches hung down a little too far in the rear. Think, Christian implored Ed. We've got to get out of here and stop the wedding. Something's gone wrong, I know it, or Marigold and the king would have been here long ago to let us out. Where would keys be? Without a word, Ed pointed to a hook on the wall by the door, and there hung a ring with many keys on it, right where Swiftbird had tidily left it. Oh, Christian said, snatching the key ring and beginning to try the keys on the big lock. Once he dropped the ring and couldn't remember which keys he'd already tried, and so he had to start again. Rats, he muttered. Rats, mice, and rodents. The last key on the ring was the one that finally turned the lock. Hooray, he said. Now let's get the machine. They wheeled out of the cell the cumbersome machine Christian had constructed, at one point having to turn it on its side to get it to fit through the doorway. Dragging it up the stairs to the dungeon doors was even trickier, an even trickier maneuver. Christian was torn between the need to hurry and the need to go slowly enough not to damage the machine while they labored. The imprisoned guard wheedled, "Ah, oh, come on, get me out of here. I can help you. I'm strong. I can get that thing up the stairs. What are you going to do with it anyway? Looks like something you put together was that was put together by a blindfolded committee that did it. Christian, who was very proud of this contraption, whether it worked or not, wouldn't let the guard out now if the building was on fire. Well, okay, if the building was on fire, maybe, but only then. Ed was only minimally helpful, minimally more helpful than the dogs, so Christian did most of the heavy lifting himself, finally muscling the thing into the wide corridor outside the dungeon. The corridor was empty, lit with burning torches and wall sconces. Nobody's around, Christian said. They're not expecting any trouble from here. They must all be up at the wedding. We've got to find a way out, a way to the outdoors without being noticed. Who'd notice a caravan like us? Two dogs, a strange machine, and a troll. Well, what about me and the mad, what about me, the mad scientist, Christian asked. All right, a mad scientist too, Ed added. Who'd notice that? Well, nobody, I hope, Christian said, pushing his machine down the hall. Chapter 20. Marigold, in her overloaded wedding gown, stood back from the arched entrance to the flagstone terrace, her hand on her father's arm. The wedding guests were seated on the terrace in little gilt gilt chairs, dressed in their dazzling finest. Waiting, Callista, Eve and Tatiana, Marigold's attendants, had already gone down to the altar, which was set up on one end of the terrace under a bower of summer flowers. They stood looking back toward the archway, their expressions anything but joyful. Magnus, on the other side of the altar, exhibited a remarkably similar expression and was unable to keep his knees from knocking rapidly together. The chamber orchestra played on and on, and the guests began to shift in their seats. Where was the bride? This was the main event, and that was they were anxious for it to begin, to see if the wedding lived up to the lavish, no-holds-barred celebrating of the past couple of days. If they noticed how glum the bridesmaids looked and how agitated the bridegroom was, they put, it, they put it down to wedding jitters. Marigold and Swithbert would have stood there in the archway indefinitely if Olympia, carrying Finley under her arm, as always, hadn't come up behind them and said, We're starting a new tradition. Both parents are walking the bride down the aisle. Let's go. She took Marigold's other arm and practically dragged her and the king out onto the terrace. The music flared and the guests stood, craning for a look at this unprecedented arrangement. Olympia smiled and nodded as she went down the aisle, singling out especially influential personages for her notice. You never know when you might need a favor, and believe it or not, people remembered even such apparently trivial things as a special nod. Marigold and Swithbert weren't smiling or nodding at anybody. They were moving like mechanical toys, stiff and expressionless. Marigold's mind whirled with anxiety. She would think of no other solutions but to could think of no other solutions but to throw herself over the parapet and down onto the river, into the into the river, and she knew that she would never do that. Not only would it break her father's heart, but it would leave him with the queen's, at the queen's mercy. If going through this wedding meant being shackled to Magnus for a lifetime, even a very short one, she knew that she had to do it to protect her papa. Swiftbirth was feeling like a failure. How had he allowed things to come to such a pass? He thought that he'd been a decent king, but apparently he'd only been a weak one. Without even noticing, Olympia had taken over, getting rid of most of the old familiar retainers at the castle, managing their daughters' lives, turning his soldiers suspicious and paranoid, ready for a fight when there was no good reason for one. Now he couldn't even protect his beloved Marigold from this tangled situation he had allowed to come about. But wait, maybe he could. When it came time for him to answer the question who gives this woman in marriage, he could say that he wouldn't. Then he sighed. Olympia would be standing right beside him, and she'd say that he wasn't of sound mind, and everybody knew that, and of course they both gave up Marigold to Magnus. So proceed with the ceremony, please. The opulently robed bishop beamed and began to intone the solemn and frightening words of the wedding ceremony. In sickness and in health, until death do you part. Swiftbirth had never noticed how ominous the words in a marriage vows were. Sickness, death, put asunder. Suddenly, Swiftbirth heard murmuring behind him, spread like a wave becoming louder and louder until it pierced by a scream and the sound of little gilt chairs toppling over. He turned and saw the wedding guest stampeding out of the way of... of... what the heck was that anyway? It looked like a giant dragonfly with wings that flapped ponderously up, up and down. Some, sometimes more quickly than other times. It weaved and dipped, rising at the edge of the parapet, disappearing below the rim and then coming back into view, seeming to struggle to make it over the terrace wall. The next time it rose, Swithbert could see that it wasn't really a bug, it was mechanical, powered by, could it be dogs running on a kind of treadmill, tread belt, treadmill belt in the center? When the dog slowed, the flying machine dipped. When they ran faster, it rose. Behind him, he heard Marigold cry, Christian! And Christian yelled back, you said the only way that you can get out of here was if you had wings. I came to get you and take you away. And overlapping Chris's voice was Olympia yelling, get me Rolo and the archers and hurry up! The wedding guests were panicking, trying to escape by squeezing through the arched doorway to the staircase, pushing and shoving and stepping on each other's ermine-trimmed capes and trailing trains in a most unroyal way. As the guests rushed down, Rolo and his soldiers were running up the stairs, trying to reach the terrace. The collision was a terrible mess, but as usual, the group with the weapons won. The soldiers raced out onto the terrace, leaving behind them a trail of unended royalty sprawled on the stairs and on each other. Among all the fairies in attendance, only Queen Mab, with her lousy sense of direction, didn't make it down the staircase, but remained flitting haphazardly here and there around the terrace. Shoot that that, that thing, Olympia commanded, as the flying machine edged up over the parapet again. The archers quickly arranged themselves on two ranks, one standing and one kneeling, while Rolo bellowed at them. The flying machine sank again and then, with one strong burst, came heaving over the wall just as the archers let their arrows fly. Arrows bounced off some of the parts of the machine and pierced others as it crash-landed onto the flagstones. The dogs jumped off the treadmill and ran yapping haphazardly, he cat and baying bravely, Beelzebub, straight at the soldier's. Ed untangled himself from the wreckage and ran too, but in the other direction, down the whole length of the terrace. Get him, Rollo screamed. He's a murderer. Several soldiers took off after him, two of them hindered by dogs attached to their pant legs. Even so handicapped, a young long-legged soldier could outrun an old short-legged troll any day of the week, and so he did. While the soldiers grappled with Ed and the dogs, Christian was lying on the crumpled remains of the flying machine, an arrow protruding from the corner of his chest. Marigold screamed and ran from the wreck, stopping only to throw off her heavy crown and veil and rip off the voluminous train of her ridiculous wedding gown. Christian, she cried, climbing over the broken flying machine. She slid to her knees and took his head in her lap. Speak to me, she pleaded. Tell me that you're all right. He moaned, but he didn't open his eyes. Papa, help me. Stay right where you are, Swithbert, Olympia ordered. Or what, he, he asked her. I'm the king, in case you've forgotten, and it's high time I started acting like one. Well, Olympia said huffily and walked away. Denby, go get the castle doctor, the king ordered. I believe he's at the foot of the stairs, tending to all the people who fell down them on the rush to get out of here. Well, go get him anyway. I'm the king. He has to do what I say. With that, Denby headed off, to, and the king made for the pile of broken parts that contained his daughter and Christian. Nobody paid the slightest attention to Callista, Eve, and Tatiana, except for their husbands, who had rushed up to the midst of all the commotion, exclaiming, Where have you been? Oh, Papa, Marigold cried when swiftbert reached them. Do you think that he'll be all right? I'm sure he will, Swithbert reassured her, although he wasn't sure at all. An arrow in the chest didn't seem like a very hopeful sign. Did you see, Papa Marigold asked, he was flying. He was coming to fly me away. Don't you think that's amazing? Don't you think that's wonderful? Swiftbirth waited for a moment before he asked the next question, afraid of the answer. And why do you think he did that, Precious? Why did he go to so much trouble and endanger himself so much? I know I wouldn't want to travel in anything that depended on dogs for its locomotion. Marigold didn't even need to answer. Her cheeks pinked prettily, making her look like a blushing bride that she evidently wasn't going to be. Christian groaned again just as Denby returned with the doctor. Step back, everyone, the doctor said, carrying his bag full of leeches, bloodletting tools, and trepanning instruments. Let me have a look at him. Marigold didn't move. You can look at him just fine where you where while I stay here. She held Christian's head firmly in her lap with both hands. The doctor shrugged and then knelt. While Swiftbert removed himself under the bridal arbor, and under the bridal arbor stood Olympia and Magnus. Swiftbert heard Magnus ask, "Does that mean the wedding is off?" "Must you act like such an idiot, Magnus?" Olympia said, and she strode away to have a look at Ed. Pinned down by several soldiers, the dogs scampered around the group, snapping and growling and eluding the detail that Rollo had assigned to capture them. What's this? About murder, a murderer, Olympia asked. Don't you have enough problems without that, too? Finley took one look at Bub and crawled up onto Olympia's shoulders, as far as he could get from the mouthful of big teeth. But this troll is a murderer, Your Majesty, Rolo said. Remember years back when Prince Teddy and Prince Harry's older brother was lost in the forest and never seen again? And everybody decided that he'd been eaten by wild animals because no body was ever found? Well, I discovered the boy's clothes in a basket in the troll's cave. He must have done the kid in. The clothes are old and musty, but there's no animal teeth marks on them. And how do you know those are the little prince's clothes? Because of the pendant I found in the pocket of the suit, it's a golden phoenix. Everybody knows that the royalty of the kingdom of Sandalphia are only ones allowed to wear that emblem. I didn't kill anybody, Ed bellowed. Olympia leaned over with Swiftbert behind him. Then what about the blue velvet suit and the phoenix charm? Phoenix schminix, what do I know about phoenixes? Is that what it was? I thought it was just a weird looking bird. And the suit's his too. He said he never wanted to wear either one of them again. Who, who said that? Well, Christian, who else? I found him in the forest when he was just a little boy and I wanted to send him home, but then he said he didn't want to go. He said that he'd tell everybody that I kidnapped him, and I tried to make him leave. So well, he just stayed. Why, you're right, Queen Mab, who was still f- flittering around, put in. I knew he seemed familiar when I was first f- when I first met him with you in the forest. But I never expected to see Prince Chris Christian with a pushy old troll, so I didn't make the connection. Why am I not surprised? Chris Ed muttered. There was a stunned silence when Swiftbirth and Olympia absorbed the information. If what Ed and Mab said was true, Christian was the rightful heir of the crown of Zandelphia, which meant that Olympia had no future king, and that Olympia had had a future king and his guardian thrown in her dungeon and scheduled for execution. It also meant she realized that Callista and Eve would no longer be queens of Zandelphia, Something that Olympia had been. Co- counting on to enhance her reputation. She intended to be known as the mother of three queens. Of course, they could, they could still become queens if Christian didn't survive.